0: Hello, fellow travelers, this is David Woods, your host and trusted guide. Welcome to our little fellowship as we gather to discuss the Christian life in a post-Christian world. We are broadcasting from Babylon with love. So you had to pay your dues.
1: Yeah, so because during this whole time, and and actually that was quite frankly, like I might've complained at the time, but kind of a, a breath of fresh air during those four years, I was also training. Right. So remember that, that money they gave me right, right, right. like, so I, it's not had, free. It wasn't free. I had to train <laughs> all four years and was down at USC. So I'd have to go a couple times a week, drive down there and do, you know, march around and learn how to wear a uniform. I had to go to boot camp Yeah. halfway, you know, my sophomore year of college, I, they sent me right. to, to Florida to go run around in the, <laughs> the swamps. Um, but yeah, so when you graduate, I, um, you commission as a second lieutenant. So I became an officer. And they say, welcome to the club. Here is your list of choices of where you could go. And here's your list of jobs you can do. Um, give us your top choice. And then they totally ignore that. <laughs> and they laugh And they say, at you. that's awesome. Thanks. Throw it out the window. It's just an exercise. Adorable. We want to make sure you have a baseline <laughs> ability to follow directions. That's really all we need from you. Um, and then they send you where they're going to send you. Um, which in my case was, so I had a busy week, too um, many Christmas, when was that? The week of, in May of 2006, I graduated, and That's I- That's
0: crazy. So you like entered college like right after, or as 9-11 happens. Yeah. So you must have rotc T C'd Right after 9-11. Right when it's I was happening. A, I was a senior in high school. Yeah, when And then all happened. of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm going to actually end up somewhere. Yeah, very quickly, so rather than oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang out in Pendleton a little no. bit maybe or go here or there. And it was
1: you know delayed a little bit because I had that four year like training time. Right, and but you're, the just, co- but but you're the, just watching. The context of that you're is like that holy jeez, this All of us, developing. you know, because then by 2003, it's both Iraq and Afghanistan. So like yeah, yeah. there's no like question. No that, one's staying home at that point. That yeah, it and even back then it wasn't like a well we'll be home by Christmas. There no one was like thinking right. that right, um, especially because yeah it took a it took a minute. For the Bin Laden thing, but, but anyway, that's neither here nor there at this point. But I end up in May, graduating, commissioning as an officer. So I had like my graduation, then my commissioning ceremony, and then I asked Kaylin to marry me.
0: Let's go in a week. Yeah,
1: like in that week of May,
0: I was like, well, I'm leaving. She had another year. I was like, as uh, Doctor Balmer said last season, I think it was, I don't play. Don't play. Yeah, like I don't it's mean. time. Bam. <laughs> ask my wife to ask her to marry me uh, just because yeah. I don't play. I'm 22. So you're like boom, boom, I'm boom. I'm
1: going. I'm done with the school <laughs> thing. Going to Alaska. So my first assignment. was Oh, that's in just so funny. Yeah. Interior Alaska. So interesting. Right. Um, a little different area than where I was <laughs> earlier in the podcast. The return. But yeah. So then I I moved. I joined the military and I moved from South Orange County to. North Pole, Alaska was wow. the city that I resided in, which is right in the middle.
0: And yet, so and you were in the Air Force, yeah. So and but at that point, you knew you're going to be boots on the ground. They're not.
1: Yeah, that was a. So you know the 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 ROTC program. In case yeah. you didn't know, they're in the business of making pilots. That's what they're about. Right are and so. During that time, I actually did compete for and I got a pilot slot. And so I like, they got me the flight suit. They were all stoked. That's I got cool. a little patch. You yeah. know, they're trying to give me little nicknames and yeah. things. Um, Maverick. Call sign. Yeah, the Maverick, Maverick. stuff. And okay. um, and then I turned it down. Whoa, why? And so, uh, as a gosh, well, I was probably 21, as a wise 21 year old, I, I thought, so they add on a 10 year commitment if you accept a pilot oh, slot. Oh, I see. And I had a, you know, a four year commitment. That's and huge. And I thought, you know, Ten years. I'm gonna be like in my thirties when
0: I can get basically out. dead. And I
1: mean, like, what is what is there like, after it's that? It's over. It's all <laughs> like, over. Can you imagine no. if I'm in there for that long? Disgusting. And in sometimes so I think about I, it was a huge
0: thing, huh? Commitment. It was a, it was a big thing. Huge and, add on.
1: And so I said, you know, I think I'm gonna just you know do something else. And Any regrets? I do sometimes think yeah. it would be fun to fly planes, even for ten years. I used
0: to dream of that, and then at a certain age, found out I had terrible eyesight, or it was yeah. getting bad, and it was like, and that like, happens, sorry, to buddy. Guys. And <laughs> that I read. Rented- I used to like, uh. oh, I used to dream. I used to like read these books, draw I these pictures. When I was a kid. It was like fighter pilot all the way because because we grew up, you know, Desert Storm. Like yeah. for me, it was like. I'm, like, F-16s, like, you know, yeah. F-18 Hornet. One of my neighbor's dads was, like, flying Hornets. And I'm, like, that's that's it. Yeah. And we're just watching Top Gun on a loop on a Saturday.
1: I know. And it felt terrible because there was guys like you that competed and didn't get it. <laughs> and then <laughs> I'm, like, like, actually, I don't like where this. Where is that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or you have guys that I'd run into oh, when I was active no. duty that went to the academy. Oh, no. They suffered through four years of that because oh, they want. no. And then they their their eyes or their color or something, oh, no. and then they end up as like a maintenance officer, and they're just <gasps> so bummed. Oh, so. And then I'm like, oh, so I don't really want this flight suit. It looks just, really good. Just on joking. Me. <laughs> yeah, just I like joking. the color, but you know, <laughs> yeah. So you know, in retrospect, I, you know, I sometimes think, ah, oh, you know, ten years isn't that long. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> uh-huh. I'm like probably almost <laughs> ten more years. 15 past years later. That, right? Yeah, like, 20 you know, years later. <laughs> um, but we can talk a little bit about that because that that does have a lot of unknown like impacts to your family life. You had just
0: gotten engaged. So yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So
1: I'm just engaged. Yeah. We spent uh, a year engaged. So I did my first year up in Alaska alone while Kaylin finished her last year at uh, Azusa Pacific sociology. Nice. So we got the combo social work and sociology. Look at you guys caring about people. Yeah. We like care about people. It's (laughs) kind of a big deal. Yeah. We'll talk after. No. Um, Yeah. So I, I, I got a, again, I, since I didn't get the pilot slot, they said, yeah, here's a list of jobs you can apply for. And I was like, Oh, I'll do this. I think I did like (laughs) security forces, (laughs) which would be cool. And then intelligence. And I wrote down all the ones and they're like, cool. Now you're going to be what we call a force support officer. (laughs) I'm like, what's that? (laughs) It's like, it's just their plug and play, generic kind of systems, logistics, personnel, manpower, they call it like, And what that translated to is they just put you in different units. So I had kind of an eclectic experience in that regard. So my first assignment, I was up in Alaska. You know, uh, a young 22-year-old, I think. (laughs) Second lieutenant. And I'm I'm like the section commander for this 450-person aircraft maintenance squadron. So I'm the guy that, like, the commander gives all the, like, discipline stuff to. Hey, these guys are, like talk to them, write them, write them their letter of don't do that anymore. Like, you know, like, and so like I, as a young, you know, young guy, like I'm, I'm in this big organization and, and it's in Alaska. So it's wild. It's like another planet, you know, and it's, you know, you get off work, it's four o'clock, it's pitch black, it's 40 below zero. And you're like, <laughs> what am I supposed to do now? And you're coming off the, you know, the tail of, of your time at Azusa Pacific or college in general, right? Where you got all your friends and your social thing. And maybe you're, you're, Feeling a little like detached from what you even define yourself as a Christian. Like, I want to tell people I'm a Christian, but like, not like that type of Christian. Right. I don't want Let's you to, I, I, I don't want you to think Let's be clear. that I'm like up front one of those, kind not of, what you're thinking. Yeah,
0: because you know, and you're in another state, too, <laughs> much better, you know, so there's also much more you know, I'm like, sophisticated. i like, yeah, so there's a little bit thinking. of that, like,
1: you had to kind of clarify yeah, yeah, and be yeah. like, let me just, get out ahead of this, just so you know, like, I know about like. Like people and stuff, and social <laughs> I know how the world works. You know, the, just,
0: I know there's thing called justice out there. Yeah,
1: but then you're you now you're in this totally foreign kind of environment, and man, that was that was a lot. Like my, I, I had a three year assignment in Alaska. That's crazy, yeah. Huh? Um, and uh, and that first winter was was pretty tough, because um, you're you know the, your main connection right is your fiance now, like your your love, the one who's going to be your wife, and she's not there. Right? And so you're you're just going wow like what am I supposed to do? And so I, I didn't do a lot of good in that first winter. Mm. You they had a blockbuster. Remember those? Oh man. It was one I of the last two in I think America. I love a blockbuster. Yeah. I think the last one's in Bend, Oregon, but there was one in North Pole, Alaska. Dang. And I hanging on. And I had, you know, remember those little TVs that had the DVD player in, yes, embedded? the combo. I, had, I didn't even have internet. The first year, which is, I didn't have internet at all. I just had this little Bananas. TV. And i go rent, like, five <laughs> movies. Yeah. And I'd get some beer. And I'd just drink and watch DVDs, basically the first half of the winter. And then at some point, you go, gosh, like... I don't know if this is what, <laughs> what the, best, the, the best that the Lord has for me in this time. There you go. Know, and this is a whole separate thing we can talk about yeah. with with men in general uh-huh. living on their own oh, for extended periods of time. I've read I've read something about uh, there, this. There's some, probably good. some study that not says good. exponentially. Terrible. Your, your images of how heroic you will be <laughs> in your fantasy world—that it's not real. It doesn't exist. It's not real. And you're like, wow. And so I had I, I I was really kind of convicted. So I, I like I had I found a little church. I tried to start going to, and they were a little weird. But like it was a four I think a four square like one of those guys. Sure, it was, it was fine. But yeah. like, but then it was really like I think, and maybe this circles back to some of the just getting out and getting a new perspective, right? Getting out, like talking about going out to Alaska like the last time. But so I I, I said I need to to break out of this little frozen like world that I'm living in and so and I need to make sure I'm really intentionally connecting with Kaelin, with my wife to be and so a couple things like I felt like were really instrumental in that. One was getting your butt off the couch and and going outside and so I, I joined a, a snowmobile club let's go yeah bought a snowmobile mm-hmm. and awesome. we just started like going i grew up riding motorcycles too so i was like oh, i could do this and it was cool so it was That's like awesome. snow motorcycles and i started ice fishing and I started doing all the alaska things that you do in the winter um just to like break up that kind of like that kind of little ditch you get yourself in and then we started reading books with my that that was the other thing like mm. Like you're in this distance relationship, you don't have the fun like phone stuff that we do now, where you can just be like, "Hey, here I am," you no know. No like, FaceTime. no, it was like yeah. I had a, I think I, I upgraded and I got one of those razors.
0: Nice, the flip. Yeah, flip. Yeah, and so that was like big, big time, big days. Yeah,
1: yeah. And and so you could be like, "Hang on," and you know, "Hey, baby," but but yeah, like, and so we we started just reading books together. Mm. Hey, you get it, and I'll get it, and we'll like we'll read it and talk about it like just That's to like rad. generate this like and quite frankly that that carried on because the next chapter was um you know i got tagged to go to afghanistan yeah and so did this year went back got married brought caitlin back and so then we're we get the summer together 10 months into our marriage bam bye bye time to go and so it's and so the the, the funny thing about about that is you know i, I could have gone the you know the fancy pilot route and been the you know the air force's you know golden boy whatever and i didn't and so i as a result got this random support job and in that time which was 2008 by this time i think um iraq and afghanistan had been prolonged now for years and there was not enough (laughs) bodies to fill all of the army's positions that they were trying to fill so they started loaning out air force and Navy guys. And so I got tagged and they said, you're going to deploy, but not with us. Like mm. you're going to go hang out with the army. So you're going to go train with them for a couple months and then we're going to just kick you out. So they sent me to a uh, lovely Fort Riley, Kansas. Um, and I did, yeah, the combat skills, counterinsurgency training, you know, which is, you know, thinking about it now it's, it's this combination of, Here's all the the combat stuff, the the humvees and the machine guns and the pistols and the you know m- combat lifesaver medical stuff, all all, the, all the, that stuff. But then there was this other half which was cultural training and language training and how to don't point your feet at the person sitting across from you because that's disrespectful. Don't touch the top of the head. Anyway, all this kind of like mm-hmm. we had a whole section on Islam and making sure that you know because at that time we're going to, to be embedded with, with a training team living on an Afghan army base in Afghanistan as a, as a training team, which is really poignant, I think, this morning as, as we look at what's happening actively as we speak in Afghanistan, some you know 13 years later from when, when I went there, but, but you're going with a mission to embed and train troops from the Afghan army so that they can kind of stabilize and take over and we can bail and so it was actually a mission i was pretty excited about yeah um and it's it, about people and it's it was about, i was all out and it actually it was an actual like stated change in tactics from right. what we initially did initially we had said this is a counter-terrorist you know it's the right. war on terror right. like this you got a little ribbon that Shaka. says you are part uh, of freedom. the yeah, yeah yeah kicking down doors you know the bombs the thing and so we did that for a few years um and create Created a little bit of a worse insurgency situation, and so and then we said, you know, what we need, so we need to go win the hearts and minds. Of hearts the people. and minds. We've been really irritating we, we've the local done this populace, before. and yeah. so what we need to do is send y'all over there, and yeah. you win the hearts and minds. So that's what we went to do, and we're like, yeah, and you hearts. believed in that, yeah, it oh was, yeah, yeah, man, because you, you, you go, yeah, that's that that makes sense. Yeah. no, we don't want to be there for twenty years. Like, right. let's, no. let's go, let's Outrageous. go. Outrageous train them let's give them the tools and the tactics we're pretty good at this they can take care of their own
0: country peace out i have a weird memory um from this side of things when shortly after you were deployed Hmm. um and i and i I think i'm getting this right i am in a theater with lisa um must have just been engaged i don't think we're married yet i forget our timeline you guys
1: were a little delayed yeah. <laughs> i remember that too you know, <laughs> Got to get perseverance into, gotta and get uh, an apartment but um
0: <laughs> but i remember we're sitting in the theater and we're watching the first iron man movie yeah. and and the way that movie opens is tony stark in a, like a convoy vehicle situation and there's a roadside bomb ied something like that it's been a little while since i've seen it and I don't think Kalen is there watching this. I think Lisa is telling me, oh my gosh, she saw this. She was watching, your, your mm-hmm. wife then was watching this dumb Marvel movie or whatever. And it opens in like Afghanistan. And everybody dies. And everybody dies. You know, just blown away. Except freaking Iron Man or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and it's the most sort of like visceral... Real, you know it's like right because they're trying to like redo comics as like this gritty real world thing and i'm like lisa's like telling me this as we're she's like oh my gosh this is what kaylin was telling oh my gosh and like and then i'm watching it thinking of you over there and i didn't know you super well but like the connection with like lisa and kaylin and thinking about all that and then watching this like movie and i'm like and part of me is like they, they shouldn't be making a movie with this. Like <laughs> this is happening to real people right now. Yeah. And Daniel just got there and his <laughs> wife is like, What the freak am I what what is happening here? Yeah. That that is a very distinct memory I have mm-hmm. of right after you were deployed. Yeah. Right after you well, were Yeah, over
1: there. it actually came out. As we were in the train up oh, in Kansas, and so a group of us actually went to oh, see no. it on oh. the weekend. We had like a weekend you're pass like, or whatever, and, what? and we were watching it, and and it was yeah, it was like, and it, for us we're like oh they shouldn't have done that, yeah. oh they shouldn't have done that, <laughs> oh don't do that. But you know at the, you know because you because you're that's yeah, yeah. literally. That was the training we were doing every day. Was That's convoy sick, right? operations. Was yeah. like yeah. the Humvee, the up-armored gun. the like, yeah. hey, make sure you're looking around. Like, don't get out of the vehicle. Ah, you got out of the. What's don't close doing? the door. No, you know. And you're kind of like, but at the same time, there's that part of your your mind and your heart where you're like, like Bang. we're
0: we're going. This is real.
1: Like you don't get. Yeah, training. This is, training this is, is fake.
0: Thing. This, but this is real. Yeah, right? but, yeah, but yeah, but right.
1: And we're you know and. And it, and it wasn't like we weren't there yet. I think it was a, a few weeks out from when we were leaving. But yeah, I remember that that was a thing. And everyone's like, "Oh!" And then probably quietly in the rooms, like reflected on the fact that, man, we gotta like do that for real. Like, yeah. we better like, whew, yeah, we better get our act together. <laughs> uh, it's
0: a silly question, but what what was it like? Hmm. They the you know the the things that come back is. It's mind-numbingly boring Mm. 90-some percent of the time. And then it is the most intense Mm. rush of adrenaline, um, you know, survival, you know, all your preparation, you know, the most that a human being could experience. And then back to the most boring, Mm. monotonous thing, you know, like the the most dramatic version of whatever like a firefighter's life is right or it's yeah, like yeah. you know you're just whatever and then there's this bell and you go from zero to a million mm. except people are shooting at you you're not going to a fire
1: yeah it's you know that there's kind of a, a variety of experiences that that folks will have um downrange right as, as they say <laughs> um that what you're talking about. I think is very true of active combat units, pre- predominantly like the Marine Corps infantry units that'll go out. It's a lot of sitting and then it's, we're gonna go kick in these doors and go fight these people. Um, and so it's that that high and low I, for, for me and for a lot of the folks that deployed during that time frame, because the mission had shifted, right. because you're going as part of this embedded training team um it was a different pace and because the nature of warfare had shifted where it's not it's not like a front lines moving forward capture the city kill the germans or like it's 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 different it's now dynamic right and it's now everywhere and nowhere at the same time the pace was constant okay and it was like a dull grind in the back of your head the whole time um, and so so just to 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 paint a little bit of a picture so you you for me we, we flew into to kabul right and and then we we convoyed from there to the east towards Pakistan and so we were in a city called Jalalabad um, and we had one kind of airfield that was like a nato run you know u s NATO run spot and then like a mile and a half down was this army base run by the afghans and then we had a tiny little spot for our joint force kind of group within that army base and that's where we lived and so we you ate and sleep slept and you had your you know a little gym or whatever but it was like a little protected area within an afghan army base within jalalabad proper and so my job when i went over there was they called me a they call me some kind of, uh, depends on, on on who you ask, but like I I was the the convoy commander, but also they, they use the term like battle captain. So my role was to plan and execute all of our convoy operations outside of the wire, which happened basically every day Mm. for six and a half months. Wow! And so what that means is that whenever you go out, you know, we talked about like watching the movie, you know, when you finally get there and you're like, oh, here are the real humvees, and here are the real machine guns. And oh no, oh, I'm the guy that's got a plan. Okay, All right guys, here's what we're gonna do today. Uh, we're gonna take five vehicles. Uh, you're gonna be in that seat, and then you're gonna be in that seat. and if he dies, you're in charge. Um, we're gonna put these guns in the middle of that gun in the middle, and then like, I'm gonna sit here, I'll be in the front because i'm I'm the commander and you know <laughs> leading the charge. And then here's where we're gonna go. And all right so as we go from point a to point b it's going to take us four hours because we're driving slow and, and we're going to go through the city so watch out for this then we're going to go through the desert so watch out for that then we're going to go along the the banks of the river and so you kind of would like you'd have to outline everything and and that was the pace and then you go and do it and and it's this and you would do both you would both. be in yeah. the vehicle i would be typically the the convoy commander is typically in the front vehicle that's wild and then the backup is in the, the rear vehicle um so i'd I would alternate one or the other. There was another captain that was there that would would kind of rotate in, um, but yeah, that was kind of every day. You're you're planning, you're you're doing you're executing these these moves, and and it's and it's not like you're you're going from zero to a hundred like like what you were talking about, where you're going. All right, there's the bad guy in the building. Right. Let's go. Weapons hot. You know, it's you know and throwing grenades. You're you're just at this constant heightened like readiness. Hmm as soon as you go out and, and you, and you're just, you're looking because, you know, one of the big issues is not just, there's the bad guy. Let's go fight them. It's roadside bombs, right? It's every day you get intelligence briefings too. And you'd be like, all right, all right, we got, uh, got this intelligence on a, um, vehicle borne IED is what they call them. Right. Jeez. So, so, and it, and it was always a white, like, Toyota Camry, or like, oh, and or and, and so so then you would okay look up, be on the lookout for, you know for the bolo right be on the lookout for a white Toyota Camry because we have intelligence that says that's loaded with 150 pounds of TNT so be watch and you do your convoy you go out the gate onto the the main road and there'd be seven white Toyota Camrys oh driving by you and you go all right y- y'all y'all seeing this okay, see all, all right, those Camrys you talk to the gunner in the little radio. Geez keep it keep keep an eye on those guys oh my gosh and uh and then you you drive and and but then but that was like a daily so you do that every day sometimes twice a day where you do these these exercises and and every time you're out you don't know it could be there could be someone they laid a bomb a mile down the road there's some vehicle or we went you know in my case we went out on a multi-day one out into a different. province and and we got shot at or traditional like what was that you know like oh that those are bullets coming off the side of the the humvee and and then you you know engage and, and you you do the the warfighter thing and um but so so what it was like is it was just it was a fairly high pace because that's you're executing those convoys and then when you come back in the times that you're not doing that you're also working in this on this Afghan base in this operations center and you're managing the other day to day things. So I also had all of the like support functions reporting to me. So the the communications and the intelligence and the and they were this hodgepodge of like Air Force and Navy and Marine and Army National Guard, California National Guard was there. Like it's all these like different folks that got plucked into these units because we just didn't have enough traditional army folks. And so it was really a kind of a wild maybe it may be untraditional but, but but probably fairly common in that in that kind of era um where it's you know we had the latvians were with us and just like the tra- hmm. traditional american um education you go latvia like where's you, you learn about a country when you're like that's a place that's right a place? and you got to look it up and you go oh yeah there it is like latvia that's hey guys cool thanks <laughs> thanks for coming right um
0: what was... Uh, and you... Tell me if you don't want to talk about these things, but... Mm. Um, kind of like what you went with the Alaska thing. Toughest thing? Scariest thing? And then maybe... Yeah. Most sort of... I don't know. Rewarding is the right word, but like... No, that's fair. That's, that's Leaving or... <laughs> you know, <laughs> like... <laughs>
1: no, I mean, I can... Honestly, I can start with the... The most rewarding thing is is... Especially initially you never feel like you're contributing more and doing what you're supposed to be doing as an active duty military member than when you're in that environment. It's hard. It's scary. It's, you know, you're not really sure how it's going to go kind of day to day or even moment to moment, but you, you went through all that training, you understood what the higher mission was and, and you're contributing to that. You're, you're part of this ragtag team. And, and that's really like a, at the base level on the ground when you're with these are my people we're going to go out and do something and it's we may or may not all come back like like there's a real camaraderie and purpose that can be like i guess gleaned or felt from that and so like that was definitely for for several months i would say like a real driving force and and one of the probably more challenging aspects of that is when that not the like tactical camaraderie of doing the job but that higher level like consideration of the impact you were or were not having Mm. right like when that started to deteriorate a little bit when you started getting orders from you know on high that you didn't think made sense on the ground we're going to shut down all convoys because the bomb went off near where the generals are and you go well geez man that if you do that for two days when we go out there next time there's going to be a bunch of new bon-. uh, so you right, have these like right. these things where, wow what are these idiots you know as you, and, yeah. then, you know, and then you start you know at the higher echelons because you also get a tv in the the chow room so you, that was when, uh, <laughs> when sarah palin came on the scene okay that? like that was all happening all, all those debates You're and like, all those row and yeah and so you have these <laughs> at the higher echelon of military merging with political decision making. It's, it's unnerving. Yeah. It's unnerving because I'm the guy that's in charge of the guys that have to go out there right. and you still are going to make the best decisions you can. But, but that started becoming something that everyone from a morale standpoint would feel. Yeah. And I remember it, I don't know how long it was probably a, a few months in maybe of, of a, you know, six, seven month deployment I remember intentionally thinking we got to do something to help morale. Um, and so I reached out to my dad and he had a friend. My dad had a friend that that was part of a cigar club. There you go. And, like, and so I was like, do you think he could like send us some cigars? And he was, they were all over. He was like, yeah. And so like I got. Support the troops. Yeah, support the <laughs> troops, man. So I, I like Let's reached go. out and my, like I got them shipped. I got and bags of cigars and humidors and <laughs> yeah. little pelican cases and stuff and so i started doing a weekly cigar night for nice. all for all of our folks for yeah. whoever wanted to come and it was really just to like reconnect as people like I, yeah. and and maybe complain and vent and maybe like whatever but like that was a, like a need i think that i recognized because back to your original question of what was it like when you're just constantly on all the time it's it's, it's really hard to, like, just process regular things. Because, like, when you get back inside, your little, like, safe zone, American-controlled within the Afghan army base, like, that's when you get to try to, like, rehumanize. Or, because also, most folks have people back home that are wondering about them. And so there's a little room, little, like, plywood room that has, like, land connections you can hook your laptop up to and, like, phones, like, payphone-style phones and you'd like dial the 50 digit number to like get to the operator and you'd call your wife and you'd be talking to your wife and, and then you'd hear the guy next door arguing with his wife over whatever, over money, over like, it's so like you're, you still have this real like life happening, you know, and, and you're trying to navigate that when you're not there and you can't really talk a lot about what you did because there's there's always a concern with they call operational security right They're they're always worried that you can't say too much so i would literally like either email kaylin or talk to her um and say hey i'm gonna leave tomorrow morning and i should be back in like two days Jeez, right i don't know if i'm gonna have a, a another chance yeah but i'll like let you know because some of those times you you would go and spend the night at one little forward operating base and then you'd go to another one and you'd be gone for two or three days and i know i'm sure for for her that was fairly nerve-wracking yeah um so you asked about what else well let let me ask
0: you this you know you're also the kind of guy who could have very plausibly at certain points in your life gone and been a missionary to wherever. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, what about the Lord? What about yeah. your care for others? What about, yeah, not to be whatever trite or conventional, but wha- where is the gospel on, mm. on a base? Um, or yeah, in your day to day, always on yeah. Um, life, in this sort of otherworldly experience. Mm, Um, That's that's a good question. Is it, is it too much to like take that all on board as it's happening? Is there, is there a sense that I'm going to process this with the Lord? Maybe, you know, after it's done, um, I have a job. I just have to kind of do these things or, or, or was it more of a day to day Mm. point of connection maybe for you, but, Yeah, it was for you and Kaylin, or whatever.
1: Yeah, it was more. Probably a little bit of both. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that kind of came out of the experience that required a lot more just processing after the fact. Um, But in the in those moments, it was a lot more real time for for me in terms of in the mornings. You know, I try to get up early. I try to go to the gym. But I'd try to like read a scripture, or or you know like I had a little you know one of those little NIV pocket Bibles, and and I, I'd just trying to keep a, a cadence of connecting with the Lord because it was very easy, especially for me to just be working all the time. I, I mean I'd get up early like that. I'd, I'd be working in the the operation center till ten at night because I was also helping the commander like do dumb military stuff, like write memos and things and correct like grammar and things. Well, well, like, like, like there's also all this other, like things that were happening. And so you could easily just dive into that. And I, and I kind of did. And so I think I would, one of the other things I think that really helped for me, which you probably doesn't fit the image of, of the, you know, the combat veteran, but, uh, I found a guitar, there was a guy that was rotating out that had bought a guitar from another guy that had got it from somewhere. That had <laughs> got it from somewhere and I paid him 20 bucks for it. And and I would try to sneak away into the motor pool and sit on a Humvee and play worship songs. Mm. And I couldn't do it every day, but there was these little moments I had. And I also had it for the cigar nights too. And I'd try to, you know, hey, you know, like not lead a worship service, but just play songs or whatever. And, um, but it was really like, really day by day is where is where you found the lord and it was just the strength enough for what we're doing right now lord um and you ever and i i, I the, the the space that that you're in um is a dark space um even in the you know the the righteous american cause and being on the base with other you know red-blooded americans like fighting for justice or whatever really dark space because it's you're back into the reality, like the high school reality of that. This is, these are people. It's a cross section of all walks of life. Um, I think I've mentioned to you before, like um, the old adage of, you know, there are no atheists in foxholes. That um, didn't, I don't, I don't think that's accurate. Like there's a lot of people very comfortable in who they were, and in the darkness that they had or didn't have, in the the way that was expressed, um, in the challenges they they faced, and in the and even in the internal darkness that they faced. When I first arrived, one of the first things I dealt with there was another lieutenant, first lieutenant just like me, that had shot himself as we arrived at the base, and and like. So, like that, like, that space of, oh, my gosh, we're all, we all could die tomorrow when we go out in convoy. We better get right with the Lord wasn't a given at all. It was you, 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 you steal yourself up and you carry on with whatever you have. And for me, it was, all right, Lord, like, I, I, I know you're here. And I know, and I know that this is a, a dark and a scary place. Help me to just do the best I can. Right, because it's stressful, and I and it was because there's there's I mean, we've kind of hinted around it a little bit, but like there's different levels of things. Like there's that real tactical, functional reality, and that's I think what, and then then there's the the larger whatever strategic or the larger just cultural, spiritual, emotional like impact of whatever it is is happening around you and doing it and and you're 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 experiencing both at the same times but in order to kind of execute the thing you need to do remember we talked about like maybe have on board with a mission right like the mission is is a good mission but like with most things when there's life and death and there's the use and perpetuation of violence um you get a submission right it's Hey, we're gonna go out and win the hearts and minds of the people. That's our job, everyone, all right, but really, like you know you pull the mic away right and you go, but really, like we all we're all gonna come back, and like doesn't like that's the mission like survive you gotta survive like it if if it's the difference between us stopping in the marketplace to buy bread and and shake hands and kiss babies, like that's kind of the mission, but also like. But not at the expense of every one of us getting back tonight. Right. And so like you have this uh, you know, tension or, or maybe conflict. Um I think you see that a lot even in a lot of the social issues around law enforcement, and things like that. Like that like there's that mm-hmm. baseline reality of this is what we're supposed to be doing and we're gonna try to do it, but like but first, I got a wife and kids. First, right. you're my buddy, first. We got to get home um and so yeah that's that's kind of that's kind of what it feels like um and then that higher level stuff that you're also dealing with is you know we talked about you do cultural training and you, you you're you're training in part to do combat stuff but you're training mostly to engage in a way that's like helping transfer the you know the training to the afghan people and the army and all that but then you get there and you have this really shocking cultural reality that's also challenging to, de- to deal with right um you have these these images of you're driving around to win the hearts and minds right and you you have these images of like you know two men walking on the side of the road and they're holding hands and, and kind of skipping that's kind of how they like they roll and then 50 yards behind them you have their wives in full burkas carrying a bundle of sticks and dragging the kids behind them like you have these like mental pictures of like ah oh, like is that the what that's the what do what we do and you you have these kind of like things and then you have other things that are even more like depraved right like you know you have like rampant pedophilia and they call them chai boys, right you have and you Rampant. have these like like yeah, like you you would you would see evidence of that, and you'd complain, and then like in your leadership'd like, no, nah, you can't be doing that, like we had a case where a couple of guys were arrested, but could at the pressure of the u s say, hey no, you can't be you can't be bringing kids around here like that's not cool, like we draw the line, and they were arrested f- for that
0: these are Afghan soldiers? Afghan soldiers, yeah.
1: And then the general that was in charge of the brigade let him out, because it was like, yeah, 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 yes, you don't really understand our culture. And then they they moved him away, but like, so you you have these things where you're like, how, how am I? Like, how do I? (laughs) And that and that's what and that's where the cigar nights come from, where you're like, here we are doing this thing, and like,
0: I just remember that story you told me about the puppies.
1: Oh my gosh, this is, yeah. Parents, if you have your kids listening to the podcast, this is yeah. probably a time to yeah. um, shield their ears. Uh, no, yeah, like, so then you'd have lo- local dogs that would run around, and, and, and you know, we there's always a love-hate relationship, right, where the leadership's like, no, nah, you can't befriend the dogs because they could be gross and dirty, but then inevitably, like, everyone's like, oh, but it's a, it's a dog, and, you know, feed it, and, you know, it becomes your little local dog, and we had a couple local dogs that had a litter of puppies, and... And, I, yeah, I remember there's a different relationship between dogs or, or animals in general in, in that culture. And they had a lot less respect. And I remember we, we all, like, woke up one morning after the litter had been born and, and one of the puppies, they, the, the Afghan army guys had grabbed it and had skinned its ears off. And thought it was funny, and it was running around and bleeding everywhere, and and like, and so there's these really dark and different cultural moments that that you have in your in your mind, and you and you, and it becomes really hard to process because you're also at this fast pace. You're also like not sure how the next mission's gonna go. You're all, but then you're going, why? Why do we? Why do we? I <laughs> don't we care about what these guys are doing like mm. this is this is ludicrous and so when you talk about like how do you process that afterwards like how do you process that through the lens of what what the gospel means and what and the redemption that that the blood of the cross means in a visceral dark evil situation on on both sides like here's the humanity of of whatever Americans and just being you know, guys or what, like, and here's this other, like, even worse, like, how do you, and so, so I think coming into the tail end of, of, of that time, and then coming out of that time, it's, it's really just been processing, you know, like, that, that's the picture of, of what, of what love really is, is that even in that, that dark place, like, it exists and it's real and it's ugly, and it, and even in that, it it can and has been redeemed and different. And so I think it's trying in your own emotion and your own mind and your own like processing is, you know, allowing God to kind of like show that darkness, um, and then translating it to even the kind of back to even like talking about being in the inner city and then going to APU and like it, even in your own heart, Mm -hmm. like that same evil and that same darkness and that same separation exists. Maybe it's a little more polished because of whatever Western, whatever upbringing, but like, but that same need for to be, to be washed and be cleaned to be redeemed, like exists even in, in your own heart and trying to, to learn to, know to to view that in the way in the way that god in the way that god does but that's a a longer process
0: i would imagine i mean we've talked about some different things over the years but i've also talked to you know a handful let's just say a handful but of combat veterans and Mm -hmm. and especially for for those who who saw some stuff and did some stuff right Mm -hmm um transitioning back to Mm. um even wife um -hmm. kids domestic i remember talking to one buddy and he just looked me in the eye and he's like so what am i supposed to do bag groceries at trader joe's like like what this doesn't make sense it doesn't Mm -hmm. this doesn't match i can't i can't just come back in this way Mm -hmm. um you had a wife. You you already you did have that uh, life here, mm-hmm. um, and you currently have a very good but a very regular job mm. that you probably never would have quite pictured or dialed <laughs> up for yourself. <laughs> no. Uh, you are still living in South Orange County, despite how many times uh, you've sent me. Uh, Look at this place, <laughs> emails, or, uh, or yeah. <laughs> travel possibilities, or homes in wherever the heck. And, um, and yes, you, you went to Alaska two weeks ago for a week to catch your breath a little bit uh, in an interesting way. Um, but in general, you are living that most sort of mm. that different kind of grind, that, that most sort of normal uh, civilian. Life imaginable mm-hmm. in uh, in a very comfortable corner of the world, mm. uh, where, as you said, yeah, we may believe that the darkness and we may know the darkness is all here, um, but sometimes you know, knowing too much makes it all the more unlivable to to just to process the unrealities or the mm. how much shine and polish is actually on yeah. this place, um, despite the reality underneath. Mm. Um, As a person who's walking strong with the Lord, you got four wonderful kids who are going to take over something. They're going to (laughs) take over your house and maybe burn it down. But they are, you know, I mean, like. From the ashes, (laughs) we shall rebuild. You got a fiercely strong and supportive and incredible and independent wife. Mm. Um, And, I mean, you got a lot of life. You got, um, you committed to this little church you're teaching the kids sunday school more often than not um you you're not not busy mm. and uh, and anytime you can you're taking them fishing you're going camping you're getting out you're mm. going to you know they're going to swing off something and they might get hurt but they're going to try it and you know and, and you're going to be there with them you're finding <laughs> a way um to walk strong with the lord in in this place with a life with responsibility with a very regular you know committed but not social work not Mm -hmm. ministry not whatever exciting you know job um how how would you describe where you're at now Mm. um it's always impossible to talk about a life and then try to like say okay um but how would you describe where you're at, let's say, with the Lord, mm. with all of those kinds of things? We we can just hear so many of the patterns of your story in your heart, mm. you know, serious training, got to do something extreme, get away, but then come back. You don't stay away. You don't mm. abandon things. You end up more responsible for more people more often. Um, and that's certainly the trajectory I've seen, you know, just knowing you, but also just in you narrating some of that, you're more embedded, you're more encumbered, you're more bound up, you're more tied down mm-hmm. than ever before, more responsible <laughs> than ever before, harder to escape than ever before yeah. in, in all those ways that maybe the heart and maybe maybe not the best parts of our heart uh, want so often to escape. Yeah. Um, but you're doing it and you're walking strong with the Lord and leading mm-hmm. people in the gospel way. Um. How have you found that in this moment, um, that balance? Has there, has there been some peace that he's brought you? Some maybe surrender of certain things. Like, how do you feel you're at at this moment?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, arriving or being in the place that we're at. It's it's a journey that's that kind of came out of the military into this, you know civilian job I think that one of the challenges that that kind of came out of the the Azusa Pacific kind of like prepping for the world and then the experience of the military in in Afghanistan which forced you to kind of deal with some things like one of the the really intentional things that upon like coming back and even getting out of the military that Kaylin and I both um, felt a real absence and a real need was needing to be really connected and grounded in, in a church. And that's in that season between college and, and honestly getting out of the military, because you also move the military, like different bases, different deployments, it was, it was harder to, to connect in that way. And I think one of the, the the most or the most instrumental things has been us collectively like as a husband and wife saying this is really important and we haven't been super good at it like being self-aware enough and being like and and having gone through enough yeah you know i got a caveat what kind of christian i am like like going mm. through like the, some of that life and then some of the darkness of just experiences and then even her like she has her own story of what that was like having me gone right and watching iron man every night and you know like what <laughs> and just the first half you know and like and so like i think all, both of us really i think made a commitment and that was we were not even living here we had moved to colorado and, and i think really finding a church and then moving out here and, and trying to find a church and 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 that was gosh it was we were married for six years before we even started having kids and so i think in that period before we started having kids making that commitment that if we really want to be because we both know we both kind of came up in the church if we really want to be and live the way that like god has called us to live like that we what we are already aware of what that should look like there's some real practical things that we can't just like float through it because we've been kind of floating a little bit through it and so it was i think that that being a forefront of what we wanted our, our marriage and, and then our subsequent family to be um has has kind of carried through um and and it was and it was a, a transition right so you, we moved back to california and we had our daughter and then a couple of years later our son and then less than that another one and then less than that another, like so you, you kind of we had we we went into this cadence of babies and which adds a whole nother like choice on on maturing as as an adult, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you've mentioned this in the past, but the simple passing of time and, and growing of age and the grayness in your beard doesn't necessarily mean that you've matured and overcome some of the things in your own heart and life, right? It's it's that intentional thing. Like now, even in this space with this little baby, now, even in this little space with another baby, now, like, it, 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 it forced you to kind of make that decision. And and there was definitely periods of time where I still, my mind is like, well, yeah, but like we could do this. And what, what if we just went to like Ireland? That'd be cool. Like, or I mean like South America is cool. Like, what have you ever been to Madagascar? Like there's still like that, like, you (laughs) know, like you, you can do that in your mind. And, but then like, and that's, I attribute a lot of that, that grounding to just to Kaylin's presence as well. My wife is just, yeah, but, but right now, like we're here and, and, and I think the the stability and the, the comfort that I feel in this moment, with with my young kids and with my wife, is is because early on, we had already established that you know finding a church and being consistent, um, was was a cornerstone and a foundation. But we also decided similarly, that as a man, with kids. I was going to be as competent as Kaylin, as absolutely involved, as absolutely Mm. like engaged as I could be. I'm still working, but in the early mornings, in the middle of the nights, in the evenings, like, like I remember when we had our son, Ezra, um, he was literally like two weeks old when uh, Krista, their younger sister had her like, bachelorette party or something and Kaylin was like hosting it (laughs) and so she left me with our two year old and our two week old um to take care of through the night to like we were doing bottles and stuff like
0: this is real
1: and this is real and I but I remember that being and that's hard and it's and it's again it's like this this grind it's not always fun you're tired you're you know but that was really important for me and for us to make sure that that as a man, it wasn't just default. Well, I'm already working, so I'll make you the money and you, whatever these kids are doing, you do what, you know, <laughs> the diapers and the the poop and the pee and the screaming and and I'm gonna, you know, whatever, watch the, the game or whatever. Yeah, you know, like I, I really wanted to be intentional about that and that's, you know, it, it kept going because we kept having more kids, right? And so the more you add on, the more, I mean, honestly, challenging it became Um, but looking at it now you know our youngest is three we're out of diapers our oldest is eight and and they already know and I already know like like I can take all of them and we can go do things like I like and it's because early on we decided that even though it was harder for me in you know to come home from work and be engaged or or to get up early and do things before work, or, or, or whatever it was like. And not that I'm, you know, doing everything. Like it's, but but I, but I'm equally, in concert with my wife and how we're trying to like. Whether it was discipline or whether it was, walking through how that discipline didn't work, and now is, well, let's try this one, or whether it's, hey, like let's go, let's be the type of family that goes camping, and and you know my son was six months, and my daughter was two years old, and we did our first camping trip, and it went horribly. <laughs> We decided to do it over the winter, and we went tent camping. It was like 30 degrees, and it was just the most pristine. It's called Plasket Creek, right? It was, it was up near Big Sur, and there's all these little, you know, vans. And at 3 a.m., my daughter breaks the silence with screaming. And you know, you're you're being a good a good parent, and you're like, shh, 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 don't. It's okay, it's okay. You're fine. You're fine. Shh. You know, and and you know, anyway, so. But like there's these real life moments where you 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 have to intentionally engage to to grow and so I think being where I'm at now um, very practically like it it's it's enabled me to do to to insert some of those things that you're talking about like that that desire to be a little bit wild or that desire to like break out of the, the, the suburbs for a minute, right? The, like, my kids will now, like, we'll go out the backside of the neighborhood and go foraging. Like, today, after this, we're going to go and look for elderberries, because my son asked me, hey, do you think they're ripe yet? Like, so, like, (laughs) like, now the kids are, like, a little bit into it, and, like, oh, and we'll make some, (laughs) some cordial. We're going to look, try to make elderberry cordial for the kids, because, they have, they've
0: built more than one shelter in my backyard yeah. when, you, uh, when you taught them how to do that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, hey, where'd da- the... Oh, that's where the all, rope is. All the stuff's gone. That's where... Yeah. I didn't even know we had a tarp. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> look, at that little, look at that little thing.
1: But honestly, it's in the midst of all that. And it's not to say that like, we have it all like, dialed in. It's, it's, I think, for Kalen and I, continuing to be aligned and self-aware in our need to remain connected to the things of the Lord and our need to remain connected to other Christians and believers, other other parents, other, and and, and honestly just with each other because the reality is it's, it's it is a grind. It's a lot. It's hard. Um, and you always have a choice to kind of disengage or not, right? You're like kind of almost moment by moment. And that's where, you know, like each of us, hits different limits at different times and different days and it's finding ways to like be compassionate and like and and help each other and hold each other up and which is really i think the but on but but ultimately at the core of that is is the spirit of god like reminding you and 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 encouraging you and convicting you and go ah that that one didn't go so well and and your wife's like, yeah, it didn't. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you have, you, have the, you probably should, yep. you probably should get better at that. I, mean, <laughs> I know, I know. And, you know, and then being in being in a place where you can go back to your kids and be like, you know, what, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, daddy, daddy shouldn't have, you know, been impatient. I really love you. And like, and, and like, and I think it's, it's that constant, I think, willingness to, to, to submit to what, to what God has in each, in each moment. Right. Um, And because of that like yeah like I I got to take my older kids and we did a little bushcraft survival weekend like which was super cool it was fun and like now that's the whole reason I I kind of dig it is because we get to do things like that we get to go fishing or we get to whatever you know we have a national park book we're gonna go try to road trip to national parks awesome you know like it's it's really you're right it's a lot of life um, but it's it's being in in it from the three a m wake up to change a diaper to the to early morning before work to the you know and even like still and still being willing to to learn and be um, to be growing in that to recognize that oh I still like. I'm I'm like an old school millennial like you right like we're kind of (laughs) OG first generation maybe right OG millennial yeah like not like the not like the young like a decade later people like it gets progressively worse but no like but recognizing that I still like instinctively go for my phone every forty five seconds and like so being like open to going oh geez like that's something I need to like bring home like I need to be aware of and
0: anyway. Well, may you and Ezra and the others uh, find many elderberries uh, this afternoon. Lord willing. (laughs) Daniel, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation. Thank you very much. That's our time, my friends. If you would like to support the podcast, please do subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And if you would like even more content and to become a patron of the podcast, Podcast, Head on over to FromBabylonWithLove.com, click on Newsletter, and sign up there. Until then, many thanks to producer Zach Leach for all the twists and turns, and to Lonesome and Muddy, the only house band that'll survive the apocalypse. This has been From Babylon.